Well, Katie, tell us about your background, how you got here, a um, little bit about your story before we get into Curtis Farm for discussion today. Sure. So I'm a CPA in Waco, but I graduated from Baylor a few years ago, went to Houston right out of college and spent about six and a half years in Big Four down mm -hmm. there. So I actually worked a lot in oil and gas because that's most of what you do when you're in Houston. Um, but my husband and I started a family, and I took a step back for a couple of years to be a mom. Yeah. And then about five years ago, we moved to Waco, and I joined uh, JRBT. And north and the cooler weather. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. A little less humidity. Yeah. Um, so I've been here about five years, yeah. and am now a shareholder with JRBT. So I don't do any oil and gas, because that's not exactly prevalent here, but we um, have a lot of clients across many industries, so financial services, nonprofits, uh, insurance, for-profit regular you know corporations as well so um, what's your area of focus within the firm what do you do so I do just about everything except um, certain financial institutions so I do a lot of insurance employee benefit plans nonprofits primarily yeah. sure so one of the things that we're offering is consulting services related to internal controls think of it like a gap analysis so a lot of times you set up your processes, you have your people in place that are performing certain procedures key to your financial reporting, but maybe you haven't revisited, is everybody in the right role and performing the right function to protect you from possible fraud or someone doing something inappropriate with your assets. And so this kind of a consulting engagement allows us to really tailor for the company which areas you want a real deep dive into. And so we can go a lot deeper than you can for an audit to examine the processes, who's performing those roles. Is it appropriate separation of duties, we call it in accounting. Um, and then make sure that you've set up your process in a way that protects the organization in the best possible way. One of our responsibilities as bankers in the community and even CPAs as well, is we get involved with nonprofit boards and volunteerism and you name it, we get involved with it. And you mentioned something earlier, being involved with several nonprofits uh, is there's coming out of COVID, you had mentioned there's kind of an 18 month window and that 18 month window is kind of up. And tell us a little bit about that 18 month window. So a lot of times it takes about 18 months to identify a fraud. And when you think about what we just come off of, off of with COVID, we had a lot of people with a lot of financial pressures, all those things in the fraud triangle of a rationalization and opportunity and a pressure. And with the impact of COVID, the pressures on people personally, there was a lot of companies that could be ripe for fraud going on. And a lot of times it starts small, so it takes a while for that to accumulate, for it to really be identified by an organization. So here we are about 18 months post COVID. Um, there's a lot of organizations that I suspect may start scratching their head thinking something may be a little amiss, maybe I need to look into something. So we just want to provide a service and help give a community some satisfaction and some comfort that their processes and procedures are such that they could feel confident that they are protecting the organization in the best possible way from a previous fraud or even one that may come up in the future. It can be anything from you know, misappropriating is you know, kind of the official term for taking cash on as it comes in, whether it before it hits the financials or after it's in the financials mm -hmm. and then kind of reworking that. 
payroll fraud, setting up a fake, you know, person to, so that you're collecting their payroll checks as well as your mm -hmm. own, or maybe someone who has access to pay themselves a bonus and maybe it is or isn't reviewed by someone else. There's all sorts of ways, unfortunately, that if you start thinking like a criminal, mm -hmm. you can come up with lots of ways mm -hmm. to defraud an organization. And like you said, it's, it's really, you know, we want to put trust in our employees and doing something like this is not a statement that you don't trust those around you. Really, it's about making sure that those positions are protected because mm -hmm. as an employee, I wouldn't want to have the keys to the kingdom and risk something happening mm -hmm. on my dime just because I don't have anyone else that is willing to double check or do a review. Any good quality organization is gonna have that system of reviews and checks and balances to protect the individuals. I remember in a, in a retail environment um, where the, the uh, sales clerk was taking the credit cards from the customer like you buy and misappropriating, and then when you figured out, hey, I didn't get credit, like they brought some mm -hmm. back for credit, I didn't get the credit or some mischarge take it off, well, he or she would, would fix yours by pay by debiting hits. Mm -hmm. And it was just a Ponzi thing. And some people watch their activity closer than others and it might take ten or three months to figure out, hey, I got I don't think that's my charge. I didn't get a I didn't get a blue blazer here. Right. And then he comes back, oh yeah, my fault, my fault. And they just did this and, and created this for years, mm -hmm. literally. It ends up being a lot of money. And so that kind of gets back to the systems of if you were doing a, a check, it's like well, who has access to point of sale you know, and credits and all those type of things. And, and in a, in a um, checkup of this type, you'd be looking at who, who has access to certain transactions and you split them up and those type of things. And the reason it's important, it seems like the people that are most vulnerable are the least likely to, use, to think they are. Right. Nonprofits, a lot of times they have people that are passionate about what they do mm -hmm. and whatever. And sometimes they need to take a step back and look at it. So they would never consider that. Oh, small business family members within small business, those types of things. And they seem to be the ones that need it the most, but they're less aware that they do because right. they trust the people. And what you're talking about is saying the system that kind of takes the trust out of it. Right. Types of right. So for instance, I mean, ideally you, you want to have separation between people who have like custody of your mm -hmm. assets, those who are recording things in the financial mm -hmm. ledger, those who are reviewing or reconciling. Those are just very broad areas that you would want to separate. And of course that looks different, whether you're talking cash receipts, cash disbursements, payroll, you know, each one of those processes gets very unique as to which of those roles. Obviously, the more people you have, the more opportunity you have to separate. You gotta be a little bit more strategic, the fewer people that you have, but it can still be done where you properly segregate those three key areas to make sure that if someone has access to two or more of those areas, certainly all three, then they have effectively the keys to the kingdom to do whatever they want because they get the cash, they can record it, they can reconcile it and essentially hide what they've done. Sure. So the more you can separate that, the more protected you are. Uh, what is it, and I know this is a really hard question just because every business, nonprofit, you name it, is gonna be a little bit different. And so say somebody's watching this and they say, you know, that sounds like a really good checkup. I need to go do that. Can you give just a really brief synopsis of what that scenario would look like day one? When is it three of the folks from your team show up at the office and the owner of the business says, we're having a checkup done. And so they're going to ask a lot. What does that look like? So I think before we even go out, we would identify which processes we're talking about and we could set up however many meetings we need to to cover the various processes that are of most importance. 
but it would be an on-site consultation with, I would say, anyone who is a part of that process that we've identified. So if we're looking at cash receipts, we're going to look at everyone who's involved from receipt of cash to recording in the financial statements. And we will essentially document or utilize what you've already documented to help us understand what that entire process is get samples of documentation so we can understand exactly what's going on and then interview the individuals. You don't need a big flashlight or anything. It's very yeah. informal, but we need to understand what is the process? What is it that you do on a regular basis? If you already have something documented, are you following the written procedures or has that morphed over time? And we need to understand what's actually taking place, not just what you think should be going on. And then from there, we can go back to our offices help finalize a write-up of that process, and then identify where the gaps are and come back to you with a report that says, here are the areas we would recommend that you strengthen controls, the ways that we would en enhance the controls or add people, add certain reviews or reconciliations, and then we would do that for each process that we've identified. A lot of people do not realize, and I didn't realize, that they think they're protected with a financial statement audit. I'm on a board of a nonprofit, they get a financial statement audit, they present the audit, everything looks clean, happy to go. One of the biggest risks in nonprofits, more so than private business, but more profit, is because a lot of times they're in fundraising and they're given money from the public rather than selling them something or providing a service. The reputation risk is really the problem. And I've seen it in churches, nonprofits, donor situations where in even up at higher on the national level. What happens when you have a defalcation is not money that was stolen. That's sometimes pretty significant. It's the reputation risk. It gives someone the opportunity, but we're not going to contribute. We're going to quit giving because they don't take care of the money. Mm -hmm. That is a huge risk. So on those boards, I've raised my hand before and said, what about internal controls? If we had a defalcation, are we, is there any protection there? And the auditor says, no, we don't really look at that. And they're usually shocked. They feel, well, we paid for an audit. What are you talking about? We don't look at it. Could you touch on that just a little bit about the differences? We use the word material a lot with an audit, and essentially that's obviously unique for every engagement or every company. But an audit is intended to make sure that the financial statements are materially stated, which just means relative to that, ent that entity that you're looking at, are the financial statements going to be misleading to someone that's using them? Well, that's why your regulators, your bankers, are the ones that need that. They need to know they can rely on the numbers that are in those financials. Well, the controls that are a part of financial reporting from an audit standpoint are evaluated to make sure that no material issues get through, right? Mm -hmm. So that's essentially the way the audit is designed is, yes, we look at controls over financial reporting, but we're really looking at those high-level controls that make sure nothing material is going to get through and misstate those financials that are being relied upon by the users. In contrast, something like what we're talking about with a controls checkup can go as granular as we need to because most fraud is not going to start at your big dollar amounts unless you're just a seasoned fraudster and you figure out how to handle that. Most people are going to start small because they frankly haven't done it before. They're going to start small and it will grow over time, but it may not be to a level that would be identified in an audit, which is why when you look at the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, they will tell you of the frauds identified, only 3% are found from an external audit. The vast majority come from whistleblowers or someone internal that's reporting something that they see that looks unusual or suspicious. So to your point, an audit is not going to be your, your fail-safe for anything related to internal controls. Something like this checkup would allow us to go at a much more granular level. Those that the actual the, uh, people in operations are going to be performing on a day-to-day -day basis and we can get much more detailed 
making sure those segregation of duties are taking place at those lowest levels to protect the organization from even the small things getting through and accumulating over time. One of the things I've noticed, anytime you have a change in leadership, uh, usually at the C-suite level of a nonprofit or a business, things like that, you know, they come in and really look at you know, the people, are they right seat on the right bus? And not only that, but the technology and the platforms that they utilize. And so what I've personally experienced is when a new CEO comes in and they're looking at the organization as a whole and they go, okay, well, the people are right. That feels comfortable. They know what they're doing. But from, since I came from a bigger metropolitan area, I think there's a better tool we can use. And so they start looking at new software platforms and all, almost every time it's a new accounting platform, you know, better tracking of donors, better tracking of donations, better communications pieces of it. And so is there any time in that process where it's good to bring in a consultative service like you guys provide? Is that annually at say in a level A for a lack of better terms, but anytime you have a significant change in leadership, is that a pretty much green light? We probably need to bring somebody in as soon as they get here to make sure we're doing it right. I think that's a good time. I would also say anytime you're adjusting your processes, you're mentioning a new IT system. A lot of times with those, you're now automating, you're changing up roles. People have more capacity than they had before, or maybe um, a process has changed where you need additional or different kinds of reviews because the same thing you've been doing before isn't isn't happening again. Um, you know, when you're when you're changing up a process, you have the opportunity to really rethink wholesale what people are doing, what responsibilities they're given, and what reviews are needed throughout. So, I think as you're changing people, key management levels, yes. I think if you're changing your processes or bringing in key IT systems where things are being overhauled, being automated. Um, you need those extra checks. You need to make sure the system also has limited and locked down mm -hmm. those things that people can view, you know, throughout that, that process as well. So Katie, I mean, we've obviously talked about the significant importance of it, finding the tools that you offer, finding fraud, uh, the bad stuff, if you will, which is very important. But there's also a flip side of the coin where there's a lot of good that can come out of it, regardless of there not being any fraud uh, or any, uh, you know, any mal, mal being or whatever it may be. Uh, what are some of those that you can bring to the table uh, with the consultative services that you guys provide to a nonprofit, to a small business, to a company of any size that says, look, we're not trying to turn over every rock looking for fraud. This is where the good stuff is. What does that look like? So obviously as part of understanding your process, we're gonna see everything that you're currently doing in that element. We can figure out what the stakeholders are looking for out of financial. So maybe if you don't need an audit itself, you do want some visibility to some things operationally so you can get real-time information and know that it's reliable. So we can look at those processes, help you identify the information that's coming out of your system, how to best utilize the information you do have available. Look for efficiencies. Maybe you're double counting work somewhere. Maybe two people are doing the same thing and aren't talking to each other to realize that you're doubling up on efforts. 
Um, maybe someone is really overworked and needs some assistance and you're at risk of losing a valuable employee because they don't have capacity to get everything done that's being asked of them. So maybe we can help recommend some additional personnel, ways to divide up responsibilities and help make that workforce a little more uh, satisfied and able to carry out the duties that they are um, required to, to complete. So I think it's an overall look at your processes and to the extent that we can help with those efficiencies with identification of key metrics or um, other areas that are important to your stakeholders, we can certainly do that. So I know from, from past experience, <clears throat> and we've gone through similar exercises on a nonprofit board, um, and we go through similar, not a full consultative process like you're talking about, uh, but we go through it and we feel just because you got transition of the boards, you've got different folks that roll in. And so we do this every year. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of check the box, move on to the next year and, and check the box. And so how have you seen it be most beneficial for businesses for it to really be beneficial year in, year out, so it becomes part of their culture? I'll use that phrase because it is a cultural thing is you got to look at yourself and sometimes that takes a third party uh, to look at. How have you seen it work best? I know that's kind of a very gray, vague question, but how have you seen those that have gone through the process with you guys? How have you seen those that have been most successful take the fraud out of it? You didn't find fraud, it's never been an issue. How have those that have done it best utilized y'all services? I think it depends on where you're coming to the service because if you if you have a lot documented and you're just wanting to check up on things then maybe you know once a year every other year would be appropriate just to double check and make sure things are still operating the way that you had already been set up to operate we could also do some testing to make sure that actually spot checking through the year that things are in fact taking place the way that they are intended to I would also say if you don't have any processes documented, there could be a level where we do an analysis of what rec what we recommend to put in place and then maybe as an, a future add-on, we document those processes and we make sure that you have procedures in place that you can refer back to for training of new individuals, for making sure that we know what the process is and we can make modifications over time if needed. And then again, maybe an annual revisit of that or every other year, or certainly as you mentioned earlier, if you're implementing new processes, new people, uh, new positions, then that can certainly be revisited at that point to restructure what those controls look like. So Katie, we, we've had the opportunity to drill down somewhat, but when we walk out of the room and you put us on the street and we're actually talking about the services you provide, we tell it six different ways. And that's just between Todd and I. <laughs> Uh, if you were to just kind of give us a parting, if you're going to tell our story, just tell us this. What would that look like? I would say we want to help strengthen the businesses in our community. And so to the extent that we can help you identify ways to protect your, your employees and your business and um, strengthen those processes, that's essentially what we want to do. Perfect. We really appreciate taking the time. I think it's very helpful. We'll try to get the word out there, and if there's just a few that, that it matters to, it, uh, it can make a huge difference in the reputation risk and the actual fraud risk within uh, some of the businesses.